Father, thank you again uh, for your word. Uh, this morning, we want to uh, remember and acknowledge that God, it is given to us for guidance in our lives. We acknowledge that you are a good God, a God who teaches us uh, the right way. And therefore, uh, open up your word again to us this morning, open up our hearts to you, that we may learn to love you and others uh, in our midst uh, more and more as we go along. So Father, we pray even for Pastor Chi Ming. Thank you for the word that you have laid upon his heart. And Father, I pray that he will speak with your empowering and with the assurance that God, uh, your enabling is there for him in whatever he will say. So we commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. morning. Morning. Good to be here to worship the Lord together. Last weekend was a big weekend in Singapore. Uh, if you're not aware, we have the Celebration of Hope, where uh, more than 100 over 1,000 people came to the National Stadium to hear the gospel being preached. Uh, very interesting testimony was, uh, uh, came forward, and one of them, I heard it yesterday, is that uh, 20 people walked from uh, Geylang, one of the brothel, Geylang, 30 people walk all the way to National Stadium to hear the gospel. And among them, they were the owner. Okay, the, the wife of the owner, she's a devout Buddhist, she prayed uh, regularly each day. And then the husband also. But yet the Lord touched them at the stadium. And the, they decided to give their life to the Lord. And the husband very concerned, well, what would the, the wife uh, respond B. Turned out to be the life of very excited that both of them came to know the Lord. They stepped forward and then received Christ. And, and then some people went to verify this particular fact because they, uh, they will see that this, this testimony is too good to be true. But it turned out to be yes, they were uh, have testimony. They verified through a church that ministered among uh, the people in the red light district there at Gilang. Let's pray that something great will happen. There will be transformations there. Then there's another one. Um, those of you who have watched the Facebook, there was live streaming of the testimony being shared during the night. And one of the testimony was um, Noah Yap. Okay, he is an actor. Testimony. And then somebody was watching it live, got very interested. And then there was also live response to Facebook that people can key in answer. So they were Q&A with the counsellors there online. And through the process, the person received Christ. And last Tuesday, they met up together for the first follow-up sessions. So God is doing great things as we preach the gospel of hope. And this is, this is the gospel that we are talking about here in the series of 1 Corinthians. And as I look at various chapters of 1 Corinthians, my heart is just warmed by what God has done for us, what Christ has done for us. That is why our beliefs and our actions must conform to the gospel. Need to conform to the gospel here. We are halfway through the series. Uh, yes, let me try again. Huh? Okay, halfway through the series. We are now in the middle. Today, the topic is can I eat or not? And then, we have covered the first part here. The first part is about respond to a report that came from the church in Corinth. They asked Paul some questions. Paul addressed them about divisions in morality and lawsuits. And now, they ask Paul also some, uh, through some letters, the second part is some questions that they have. 
Last week, we talked about questions about marriage. This week, is talking about questions about food or meat being offered to the idols. So the question is, can I eat or not? So today, is about meat offered to idols. You see, the Corinthian believers, they came out from the pagan backgrounds where worships of several different gods in different kinds of idols. They will offer these meats to the idols as a form of worship to their gods. It's a very common practice. So they grew up doing this all their life. But now that they have turned away from these gods and to worship God, Jehovah, the questions that they were asked, can I continue to eat meat that have been offered to idols? These idols, can I eat these meats? So talking about meat offered to idols, there are different parts of the meat that have been used. The the first one will be the meat they were used and then they were burnt at the altar as a part of their worship, the sacrifice of meat, and the pagan temple ceremonies. The second part, they will also eat it there in the temple ceremonies as part of the worship also. They eat it and then the eating together is also part of their worship. And then part of the meat were also sold in the marketplace. Leftover, they went to sell it in the marketplace. In fact, the marketplace, most of the meat that was sold in the marketplace has been offered to idols. So it's very difficult to buy meat that has not uh, so-called been offered to the idols. And then, in the, particularly in the, in the uh, temple ceremonies of Buddhist worships, the gods were thought to be present spiritually in all these worships. And what happened? When are the occasions where all idol foods could be served at that time? It could be in the personal homes where people will buy the meat from the markets, they bring it home and they will eat it. And they will also uh, be offered in the homes of people, their meals with their friends and relatives' homes. And there are also social functions where weddings and celebrations where some of these meats could be served and of course, it is the temple worship at the temple compound where the meat, the meals were served, the cook was served as part of the worship. So the questions in the mind of the Corinthian Christians, these are the questions they have. Uh, maybe you can help me if I click. No? It doesn't respond. You just help me to click. Thank you. Like now. <laughs> okay, this... Uh, Ritual somehow will, does this ritual somehow taint the, the food um, when it has been offered to idols? Then should Christians buy it and eat it at home? And what about the social functions, the weddings, the parties, the clubs, where such meats were served? Can I eat them? And then finally, what about eating in the overtly religious rites in those temples? So these are the questions that the Corinthians were asking. Today, uh, Singapore comes from a multi-religious uh, society. Some of us come from various religious backgrounds, myself included. I eat. I was also part in part of, of the worships of the various ancestors, various gods. Participated in the past in many of these worship where the food has been offered to idols. Even today, regularly, when I go home to Malaysia. Food has been offered to idols. And some of you come from the similar background. And then you become a Christian. And you ask yourself, can I continue to eat this food? What about if I invited to homes, 
my family's home, my, 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 uh, my parents' home, the relatives' home. Can I eat those? What about those functions? Can I um, eat them? What about if I'm invited into some kind of religious uh, rituals? Can I eat those food? These are the questions maybe at the back of your mind. Some of you say, no, I don't have these questions. I'm not encountering these things. But this passage is still relevant because it teaches us uh, various principles that we can apply to other questionable practices in our lives. And even the practices, they may not be questionable, but some of these principles will be helpful for you as we live together as a family of God. So Paul addressed in, in this, uh, this topic here in three chapters. So today I only cover one of the chapters. Chapter 8 here, it'll be using your freedom and knowledge and love. And then Paul gave in chapter 9 his example, and then chapter 10, he conclude everything in more detail about beware of idolatry, worship of different, different gods here. So if you have the Bible, you can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. If not, you can just look up here, and we're going to read together from the, uh, I'll, I'll read it out here from the NIV versions. Now about food sacrificed to idols. We know that we all possess knowledge, but Knowledge puffs up while love builds up. To those who think they know something, do not yet know as they ought to know. A bit chima. But whoever loves God is known by God. So then, about eating food sacrificed to idols, we know that idol is nothing at all in the world and that there is no God but one. For even if they are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is but one God, the Father from whom all things came, for whom we live. There is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we lived. But now everyone possesses this knowledge, some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat sacrificial food, they think of it as having been sacrificed to the God. And since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. But food does not bring us near to God, and we are no worse if we do not eat, no better if we do. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights do not become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone with a weak conscience sees you with all your knowledge eating in an idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother and sister for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin against them in this way, wound their weak conscience you sin against Christ. Therefore, if I what I eat causes my brother and sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again, so that I will not cause them to fall. Okay, let me unpack this in a chart form. I like charts. So can I eat food offered to idols? That was, that's a question that the Corinthian Christians were asking. Some of them say, no. No, I cannot eat. Why? Because when I eat it, I feel like I am still worshipping the idol. These are the people 
Paul would describe as a person with a weak conscience. I will explain more about this weak conscience. So to some, they say, no, I cannot eat it. Because when I eat it, I'm like still worshipping those idols. Even right now, I'm still, I'm a Christian. Some of them were saying that, yes, you can eat it. Why? Because I am free. And because I'm free, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ give me the freedom from various these restrictions. And I have knowledge. I have knowledge. I know more than you. I have knowledge. But then Paul go on to explain. Remember just now I say the word that would be chim. Okay. New Living Translation. Give it a very good translation here. If anyone claims to know all the answer, doesn't really know very much. What he's trying to say is that there are a lot of things you do not know. If you say that you really know everything, you actually do not know a lot of things because there's still much more to know. So Paul, first what he do, he will sort of agree with them about what they know, and yet at the same time, Paul later on correct their incomplete knowledge and the misuse of their particular knowledge. He's, he's saying that knowledge alone is an insufficient guide to this matter, and it can lead to pride. And what are the knowledge that they have? which Paul uh, agree also. The first one is that there is only one true God. Paul admits that, yes, there are so called, many so-called gods in the heathen mythology, um, mythology like, like Jupiter, Juno, Mercury. These are the various gods that they worship. And some of these gods are supposed to live in heaven, and there are some of gods that live supposed to be on earth, like Neptune and Sirius. And these are on earth. There are many lots that they are connected with. Paul agrees that, yes, these are the gods that you think that exist. He agrees with them that so, they are in contrast with so-called many gods, there is only one God, namely God the Father and also one Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. I will elaborate on this point later. And they also, so Paul agrees with them. Yes, there is only one God, the God that matters, the God that we all worship. And they also claim that another knowledge that they have, idol is nothing. Now that we are Christians, they are saying that idol is nothing. Just eat the meat, meat. It is no big deal. Idols are not real. They claim that the mere act of offering this meat to the, to the idol does not change in a sense because this is just a material object with no spiritual reality when there is only one true God. So how can you fault us when they choose to eat those kind of food, even in a temple? Well, Paul didn't deny the existence, the, Paul wasn't denying the existence of idol themselves. Paul acknowledged that yes, these are carved with, images carved with stone. And that these idols here, the people may think that it's a uh, big thing, but Paul said that in light of the one true God, this is actually nothing. Yes, I agree with you. But later on in chapter 10, Paul saying that behind these idols, because people worship them, there is spiritual entities. But here in the chapter 8, Paul is saying that the gods that they purport to represent is not the creator God. So Paul agrees with them. Sort of. Yes, you have knowledge, but Paul also say, but. Don't be too quick. Don't be too quick to make decisions. But there is something more important here. What is more important? Paul is saying, Love. Love is more important. Love seeks to 
not just do whatever you want to do, but seeks to limit that particular freedom. Because knowledge can puff up, but love seeks to edify, seeks to build up the person. Paul is not saying that knowledge is either irrelevant or unimportant, but it cannot serve as a primary basis for Christian behaviour. What serves as a primary motivation of Christian behaviour is love. Love is truly very important. Love for what? First of all, love for God. Paul is saying that when, mine, when one makes decisions in such matter as whether to eat or not to eat this food offered to idols, out of love for God, he is known by God. What do you mean by known by God? God knows everybody. He's omni, uh, omniscience. God knows everybody. But God particularly is fond of the people who make decisions in light of what will please Him. The word known here can also connotate the idea of favour and approval. In other words, the smile of God's approval. If you make decisions in your Christian life, in your life, for the sake of God, you will enjoy the approval, the smile of God here. So God, Paul said, remember this picture of God. And also remember the love for other people. We must not just give your knowledge or just the word of God for truth alone, but you need to consider also what is best for the rest. Why? Because we are family. We are family. Here, just now, Caleb, just in the video mentioned, we are family. It's a family of God. We don't just make individual decisions. We need to consider people around us. And those of us who are parents, when you see your children defer to one another, care for one another, love for one another, make decisions in light of each other, uh, be sensitive to each other, how do you feel? You feel good. Same thing also for God, the Heavenly Father. When we make decisions in light of each other, he, we have a smile of approval. Why we need to think about other people? Because of these things called weak conscience. What is weak conscience? Weak conscience, this word conscience um, in this passage is not so easy to capture. It is not like to, the usage of today. Today, when we talk about conscience, it's talk a matter of moral, right and wrong. But here, Paul used weak conscience in the, in the idea of dissonance between the heart, the head and the heart. In other words, this thing does not fully, uh, fully agree with each other. To the Corinthian Christians, some of them feel that they cannot eat the food even in their own private home. They buy the meat from the market and bring it home. They cannot eat it. Certainly not in the dining, uh, the dining hall of the temple, but bring it at home. They cannot fully recall, uh, uh, detach themselves from their past idol worships. So in their mind, they understand there is only one God that matters that this God that matters, that idol is, is not really a thing that should matter for them now. But in their heart, when they eat it, they feel that, no, they are still worshipping the idol. So there is a dissonance. There is a disconnect at the moment. There is a dissonance here. So what happens when this, hap when this happens? According to Paul, and when they eat it, they feel guilty. They feel that they disobey God. They be disloyal to God. And when they feel guilty, 
their, their conscience, Paul also mentioned, is wounded. When their conscience is wounded, then you wounded Christ, you sin against them. And Paul is saying that this is unhealthy. This is not right. And you shouldn't be making decisions on the basis of your knowledge alone. For example, today, if there is a Jew, before the Jew becomes a Christian, he cannot eat pork. Because it is wrong. They totally cannot touch pork. But later on, he became a Christian. But yet, when you look at pork, he still finds it difficult to eat it. He's reluctant to do it because he feels that something is not right. He feels that, no, I cannot eat char siu fun. I cannot eat char siu rice. There's, and this is what the Bible would call the weak uh, brother or brick sister here. He's not living according to the full enjoyment of Christian liberty. As long as he thinks it's wrong, and to him, when he eat it, it is wrong. And Paul is saying this. Food is just physical food. Or some, when they apply it to other areas of our lives, it could be entertainment, it could be pleasure, it could be style, it's just material things. Paul is saying here, food does not bring us nearer to God. We are no worse if we do not eat. We are no better if we do. So in the matter of these things that are indifference to God, Paul is saying that reframe or eat or do it, it doesn't matter. What really matters is that whether you have the approval of God, the smile of God, at the same time you do not stumble other people. Paul is saying is this, love. What is love? Love is that the freedom to give up. The freedom to give up. Not just the freedom to do anything, but the freedom to give up for the sake of another person. Paul himself gave as an example. Paul said, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat food, meat, lest my brother stumble. Knowledge will make a person exalt himself, that I am the things that matter. But love will think about the other person. Paul said, I'm, going to, I'm willing to become a vegetarian. If it, by eating meat, going to hurt another person. Later on in chapter 9, Paul even mentioned that how he gave up his own financial support as an apostle based on this principle here. So today, the subject of food offered to idols. Um, some of you maybe have some questions. Some of you may have uh, some answers already. But remember this principle of love. This principle of love that we don't do things that will stumble people. We don't do things that will, they will, they will, they will stumble other people. And this principle also can be applied. Not just food offered to idols, but other areas. What about drinking? Drinking hard liquor. What about drinking a lot? And so, yes, the Bible mentioned about drinking. I can drink any amount I want. Uh, any occasions, yes, the Bible didn't speak against it. But the Bible warned us about being drunk. Warned us about how uh, when you're drunk, you are taken over by something else. The alcohol spirit instead of the Holy Spirit. And then, so, can I drink it? I will... I will also need to consider the situations. When I'm with BB boys, am I going to drink it? When I'm with, with various people, and even what happened if people were 
know that and then the person come from a background where the alcoholic background and then see that and then continue to to embolden to drink and then later on get into trouble with that i need to take this into considerations what about betting online betting football online betting turf uh, horse raising some of these questions can i do it it is the bible didn't speak against but i need to think about the other people the other people around me, what if they see it and then they go and do it, embolden to do it, and then they cause them to sin, then I am sinning against them. I need to be careful about these things here. So it's not just about me. It's about the family of God, the things that I want to do. I make sure that I do it out of love here. So coming back to the questions, can I eat food awful to idols? Paul also said that yes, love is important. But in chapter 10, later on, he mentioned, I will briefly mention these things. They say that, Paul is saying that when, when food offer the idols in the context of worship in the temple, there are spiritual entities behind it because it is a spiritual act. So there is a clash here of loyalty towards God that you worship and also towards loyalty to the various gods that these people are worshipping. So there is a clash so coming to these questions, can I eat food offered to idol? If you have the weak conscience, if you feel that things you are still uh, like worshipping the various gods when you eat food offered to idol, then don't eat. Then don't eat. And if you don't feel that way, then eat it. It's okay because it is only one true God, eat it. However, when you recognize that there are people around you who might be stumbled because of your eating, then don't eat. And if you are eating in the context of worshipping in the temple, Paul say there is a spiritual activities going on. Don't eat. Then a lot of other specific things. You want to know the various specific situations? Come back for chapter 10. Paul will address it. I will keep you in suspense. So the question now for us today is that then, Christian life is so restrictive. I am free, but why I need to think about so many people here? Where do I get this power of love? Where do I get this power of love? And not just about these issues, but a lot of other issues in life. Where do I get this power where I can choose to restrict my freedom? The power came in verse 6, where Paul said this. Yet for us, there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came, for whom we lived. There is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we lived. Paul is saying these two very powerful truths that we need to embrace, we need to be aware of, we need to tell ourselves, we need to sink in from our head into our hearts regularly. There is only one God, there is only one Lord. One God. And how was this God described here in this verse? First of all, it's described as the Father. A Father, a personal image of a Father. You look at many religions around the world. There is none that describe God as a father in a very enduring, personal way, as what was described in the Bible. And therefore, we are family. 
that is the closeness of God. And this Father is always there for us, is always very forgiving. Recently, I read on a Facebook posting, uh, an earthly father. A father mentioned about his heartbreak. He has one of the youngest son. He was trying to take care of the youngest son. But this particular youngest son that day was in a bad mood, pushes him away and saying nasty things about, I don't like you, I, I hate you, various things. And he felt hurt in his heart. And in his hurt, he remembered God the Father. That how many times we heard God the Father, but yet time again, our Father received us. Time and again, our Father is very patient with us. And this is the God that we worship. This is the Father. And I hope that you will remember, remember again, each Sunday as you come together here to worship, we worship this Father. We are family. We are connected to Him. And He's not just the Father. He is the Creator for, from whom all things come from. He is the source, the Creator of all things. In contrast with many different gods, often are subject to the whims of the cosmos. This, our God stands far apart because He is the uncaused cause. He is the Creator God. And He is also the destiny, the purpose and the goal of our life, through whom or uh, for whom we live. We have a purpose in life. We are not just here existence by chance. We have a purpose. We are created for God's glory. We are for His, His purpose here. There is a purpose. And then, there is also one Lord. This is our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the divine mediator through whom all things come, through whom we live. Jesus is through whom God created all things. It is through Jesus Christ we live our lives because we are redeemed by Him. When Paul says there is one God, the Father, and one Lord Jesus Christ, he does not mean that the Lord Jesus Christ is not God. Rather, he simply indicates the respective roles of these two persons in the Godhead Trinity fulfilled in creations and in life and in redemptions. The unity of God and the fact of our existence both in creation and redemption is grounded in one God whom we served. And this God died for us. And this God, uh, I was talking to one residence at Taban Garden. She said, all gods are the same. I said, no. Yes, all God teaches all to do good. But there is only one God who sacrificed, who put aside himself all the rights, and he came down to become a God, and this, uh, to become a, a person. And this person going all the way to the cross to die for me. And that makes a whole lot of difference and listen to what Paul says about this God here. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal death on the cross. This Lord, Jesus Christ, He gave up His rights as God to sacrifice for us so that so we can give up our rights for others. Remember this love. Just now I was partaking of the Holy Communion. 
my mind flashed back to the cross. Each time I partake, I will ask the Lord to remind me to the cross what Christ did for me at the cross. At the same time, my mind flashed back on the day where my sister shared with me the gospel about God Himself. And that I'm overwhelmed by the love of God. And I hope that you do that. You, you will be overwhelmed each, each Sunday when you're reminded through the Holy Communion, through the worship songs, overwhelmed by what Jesus Christ has done for you. It is this love that, not just on the head knowledge, but it seeped down into your heart. This is the one that will guide us in the way we lived our Christian's life. And I appeal to all of us, as we are a family of God, let us live as God the Father, looking down on us, let us care for each other. Imagine if everybody deferred to each other out of love, make decisions in light of the family. It, every one of us in this PPH family will be able to do that. How, what kind of impact you will make around in our families, in, our, in our, this family of God here, and also in the community where people see the love of God, not just in the freedom of knowledge, but the love of God demonstrated through our actions and our hearts. And this is the God at worship. This is the gospel. This is how it should shape our lives. Let us pray. Invite the musicians to come to sing the first song. Take some time, once again, to thank God that we worship the one true God who, who is our Father, who is our Creator, who is our destiny, and this God is the God who died for us. Take time where you are just to worship this God and thank God. is Holy Spirit is bringing to mind some actions that you've been doing questionable actions that you're doing that it, back of your mind you know that it could be a stumbling block it will hinder it will affect a brother or sister the brother or sister saying doing that maybe it's time to repent and see God help me to stop doing those actions it is not healthy it is not helpful you get. The ability to do that comes from the love of God our Father. Let us rise as we close with this song as an expression of worship. Let the truth of these songs move from your head into your heart and then up to our Lord in worship. Princess and paupers. Princess and pauper, sons and daughters, kneel down the throne of grace. 
failing love for us as a father who's constantly been so patient, kind to us we thank you 
not just our Father, you are the Creator God. And you are our destiny. And you are the one true God that is worthy to be worshipped. We thank you that this morning we can worship you. Thank you for the person on the left, on the right, in front of us, behind us. They are our family. And we need to concern about each other. And I pray that, Lord, as we lived our lives for you, that we are aware about the people around us, that, God, that we will seek to care, to be concerned about people. And let your love that God so loved to touch our hearts, let it flow from us to the people around us. And we thank you. This morning, we worship you, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.